Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast. I'm super excited to dive straight into this week's episode with our guest Tamuri who is sharing how she got involved in the mental health world. She is now a mental health advocate, a speaker. um, And yeah, she's going to tell us about how she got into this area because it wasn't something that um, she initially had an interest in or a connection with. And uh, I think sometimes that's the the case for some of us that we, we don't really have a particular interest in something until something in our life happens that kind of puts us on that path but I really enjoyed having this conversation and um, I hope you really enjoy it as well so we're going to dive straight in hi everyone I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest Tamori to the podcast so welcome and if you could introduce yourself to the listeners and let us know a bit more about you Excellent. Yes, my name is Tamori Richardson. I'm a professional motivational speaker, author, coach, uh, mental health presenter and trainer. And uh, I uh, do trainings on domestic violence, women's empowerment, standing up for yourself and uh, a whole gamut of other topics. Mental health is a topic that I'm really passionate about. And so that's the whole premise of this podcast about helping people to look after their own mental well-being. So Thank you so much for for joining us um, to talk about this. So I guess, where should we dive in? How did you get into this line of work? How did you get to where you are today? Uh, You know, I was married for a a short period of time and I married someone who had drug addiction and who was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And uh, being married to someone that has a dual diagnosis, which is what is called in the medical world, I found myself completely diving into his world, making sure he was hopefully getting sober. He was recovering from his mental illness. And while doing all of that seven days a week and focusing only on him, I any passion that I had no longer existed. I wasn't doing anything for myself to further uh, myself and my own life's ambitions. And so when we eventually, it came to a divorce and I filed for divorce, I started to think about what I had always wanted to do, what what I was intended to do and um, what I could do to help other women who might have been in my situation and maybe didn't have the level of tenacity that I had to move forward. And so I, I wanted to be of service to others. And so that's how I reinvented myself into a professional motivational speaker. Amazing, and I, I think it's, um it's so powerful, isn't it, to sort of take the experiences you've had and to to use that to help other people in, in some way. So I think relationships and uh, leaving relationships can be such a big part of our identity, can't they? And and it sounds like the relationship you were in took so much of yourself. So how how was that experience of, of um, the relationship ending and then reinventing yourself? It was emotionally draining. I didn't know anything about substance abuse. I hadn't come from that. I hadn't seen it in my family. And so I didn't know that you couldn't tell someone uh, had drug addiction. 
I also had no interest ever in mental illness. You know, people wouldn't make the jokes that someone's acting bipolar and you don't really know what that is. But back in the day, that was considered to just be crazy and you didn't know. But what I decided to do, even at the point where I was ending the marriage, was I still wanted to be trained on these different things, not only because I had been married to someone that was struggling with these things, but I also wanted to make sure to avoid it. But I wanted to know. How was it that he operated the way he operated? He had so much turmoil. I know he had a lot of family dysfunction, but where did all that come from? How did the mental illness play a part? How did the drug addiction play a part? And so it really got me getting involved with um, NAMI is uh, an organization that I'm affiliated with, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and uh, presenting and wanting to help other Women and men know that uh, this behavior is a little bit more normal than not. Um, And really the word normal doesn't exist, that people with mental illness just operate and function a little bit different. And a lot of times it takes medication to balance them out. And that drug addiction, you couldn't love away. It has to be something that they're passionate about getting rid of. If not, it'll all be a waste of your time. So I, I really wanted to share that with other people and hopefully be able to get them to a place in their lives where they were no longer focusing solely on someone else, but really spending the time to get to know who they are and moving forward. Mm. I think that's a really important point to make that you can't love something away. If, if someone is going through a difficult time and however they are coping with that, and that that could be through um, substance abuse, that no matter how much you love someone and want to be there for them and help them, if they do not want to or are not able to make that change for themselves, then right. yeah, there's no, there's nothing you can't do. So I think that's a really important thing to point out that you you can be there, you can support them and encourage them, but it has to come from them that change. Absolutely, and and one thing I realized after the fact was really the the most important thing that you can do. For someone who is struggling with these, uh, uh, you know, either addiction or mental health is really have your own life because I really made him my focal point. And not only was it not a loving marriage, he didn't know how to love. That wasn't something he knew anything about. So me trying to give him my form of love, which is, you know, I stick by you. We do this together. That was foreign to him and he was not receptive of it. But really focusing on who you are, supporting them from afar and continue having your life and not allowing it to drown out your own voice is really the best thing that you can do for someone who's struggling because all of that focus can be added um, anxiety for them. It's, It's not necessarily good. It's a lot of pressure, isn't it? If you are the center of someone's world, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot of pressure for anyone. It is, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think that idea of having your own life and, and being a whole person on your own is so important for any relationship, regardless of you know whether someone is struggling with something. I, well, I think we're all probably struggling with some things, aren't we? But, right. but I think that's really important to, to be a whole person and have your whole your own life anyway. So... I mean, I normally ask for sort of tips and, and strategies at the end, which we'll come back to. But if, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, oh, I, I don't have my own my own life anymore or they're in a relationship and 
and your experience resonates with them, what would you say to them? What would you suggest for them? I would really tell them that you're shortchanging yourself and you're taking all of the capabilities of you being the most productive person that you can be. And the best example that you could be for someone who's struggling is to really see the example of you being at your best, loving yourself and being kind to yourself and focusing on yourself. You will never be able to care enough about that person. And what I learned was while he was having relapses, I couldn't encourage him to stay clean and sober. There was not enough love for me because the addiction was too strong. There was not enough love for his kids. It just wasn't there. I used all of those tricks to try to get him to get clean and sober. He didn't care about any of those things. The drug was so all consuming. And now you have a mental illness that now the drugs have brought up out of their shell and they're all acting up together. And so if you're focusing like I did, and I'm a cautionary tale, I tell people that. I focused solely on him. And then when the end of our marriage, he brought another woman into the relationship. He started having um, a sexual relationship with the mental health caseworker at the facility he was at. And so when he did that, that was a no-no for me. That's the line for me. Now what do I do? I've, I've only been focusing on him. So I tell people, don't find yourself, yourself when you get into a place where um, you start to feel despair and go into depression because you've negated yourself. Stay focused on what you're doing because these relationships are very caustic and they're very up and down. And you want to make sure that at the end of the day, you can always take care of your children and you can always take care of you. And you cannot do that if you're not a focal point of your life. Mm, yeah, so true. I mean, I don't know if you saw my face then when you said a mental caseworker uh, face the, the, <laughs> the ethics of that. Yeah, everyone's appalled, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that is it's so true. And it's it's that um, the old saying, isn't it, of, you know, having to look after yourself before you can look after other people. And, you know, your own uh, air mask before someone else's, that kind of thing. That's right. Yeah, you can't show up for other people. Yeah. If you're not showing up for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I use the example of being on an airplane and the mask dropping. And why do you think the the uh, stewardess says in the event of put your mask on first and then try to help the counterparts? The reason is, how are you helping them if you're going in and out of consciousness or you're losing oxygen? You can't. You have to make sure you have adequate oxygen so you can think clearly and we'll be able to help the other people. So you're absolutely right in that analogy. We have to make sure we put on our oxygen mask first, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so how do you go about reinventing yourself? You know, before I had married him, I uh, lived a corporate, had a corporate life and I'd done presentations and public speaking has always been something that's been a, a really first love of mine. But after the marriage was coming to its end, I started writing a book. I wrote a, a book uh, a couple years ago in 2018, 10 Steps to Becoming a Highly Effective Public Speaker, because I've become really successful at not only competitions, uh, but also speaking and getting requested for coaching and things of that nature and really being able to touch and affect my audience. I would give a uh, conference and I would have a line of people at the end wanting to hug me because they couldn't believe I got out of the situation or whatever the situation was. And so I said, you know what, I've done really well at this. And I know there's folks out there who want to know how to be a public speaker. Um, so how do I affect them? And I tell folks that it's not just about being a public speaker. It's about being a better communicator. 
So I kind of immersed myself into public speaking, but public speaking with a mission and a purpose. And I found it to be very therapeutic of moving past my situation because when you deal with a trauma or was in a relationship like I was that was also abusive, then a lot of times that can stagnate you and stop your growth. But taking the shame away from it that I had and talking to people and listening to their experiences and going to therapy, of course, helped me to be able to clear a pathway to my own success in my own life. I think shame is is such a, a big thing, isn't it? And uh, mm-hmm. oh yes, yeah. And and um, I think we well, just thinking on I guess both sides of the experience that it, you know, if if someone is someone who struggles with substance abuse, that I imagine there's a lot of shame around that experience as well. Absolutely. But being in that situation and then coming out, that that shame and Mm-hmm. Did that take you some time to deal with to then be able to speak about your experience? It did. Um, oh, my goodness. I was so embarrassed. I was embarrassed for a lot of reasons, but I was mostly embarrassed that I had married into that situation, that I didn't see it. I didn't see this coming. How did you not see this coming? What is wrong with you? And I already had two children. And so after the marriage was over, I had to sit my children down and apologize to them profusely because I told them I didn't vet him properly before I brought him into your life. And had I met his family, (laughs) it would have never happened because they all have turmoil and forms of dysfunction. And had I done that, I wouldn't have brought this type of um, catastrophe into my kid's life. So there was a lot of shame that I felt that I wasn't the best mother that I could be because we're supposed to protect our kids and look what I brought in here. And therapy helped me to be able to separate my responsibility because I do accept responsibility. And that's one of the ways that I don't hate him. I don't love him. I don't hate him. And I haven't for a while now. I'm sure in his narcissistic mind, he probably for a while thought that that um, some of this had to do with loving him. Absolutely not. Those feelings surpassed pretty quickly. but we all have to accept responsibility into what we bring into our lives. And I had to accept the onus of as bad as he was and all the horrible things he did, but still I brought him in here. What was it about me? What didn't I see? What should I have seen? So my therapist helped me to be able to work myself through that while trying to become a better version of myself, a better mother, a better human being, um, to be able to know that, We can't be responsible for all situations, but you certainly can see what I played a part in and know not to walk into that again. So that was very important for me. Hmm. I think it highlights as well the the importance of therapy to to help you come to terms with things. And I and I I, I'm a real proponent of of having someone to talk things through and and even if it's uh, I guess again on both sides of it, someone experiencing substance abuse would probably benefit from from having the input, but also someone who's been in a challenging situation like you were to to come to terms with it. But I think I, I really like the, um, you know, you sitting down with your children and talking to them because I think that's such an important thing to, to model to children that sometimes we maybe make decisions for ourselves that aren't the best, but taking responsibility and having honest conversations, apologising if we've maybe 
I think that's a really powerful learning experience, I guess, for them. And I, the last thing I just I, I love that I wanted to pick up on was that, you know, that you said you, you don't hate him. And I think a lot of people maybe in that situation would, would hang on to that hate because someone's wronged them, which is, pretty, you know, legitimate feeling to have. But if you hold on to that hate, mm-hmm. that's something that you're then reliving and feeling that negativity. Right. Whereas I guess if you can get to a more neutral point, which is what it sounds like you're at, I think that's a lot a lot healthier right to be at right i mean the hate <clears throat> or even strong dislike it tethers you to them so as long as i would have and, and believe me it was very hurtful you know marriages end i'm a very loyal person that is not how i would have liked my marriage to end but i think bringing a woman into the equation to me is the most dishonorable thing that he could have done that didn't speak a testament to me that's a testament to him and where he was in life and that's a testament to the woman so for that i didn't accept any type of onus but i think i had to get to a place where i realized that uh, this wasn't as long as it could have been i also accepted the responsibility and the fact that this was not a loving marriage i think a lot of times people want closure he couldn't give me closure he couldn't give me love he couldn't give me anything And, and so I remember the last time I talked to him and he said, he started screaming on the phone and was saying, well, what do you want? You want closure? You want closure? He had no, uh, no levels of decency that he could offer me. So what would it do for me to hate a man that's killing himself with drug addiction, has no respect for his mind and his body? How would that benefit me when I have the opportunity to move on? And that's how I surmised it, is that I could hate him and stay stuck in a place where I don't need to be, or I can just give him to God and allow him to deal with how he's gonna deal with it, and I can move on and live my best life. And I trust me, I am living exactly my best life. Yeah, amazing. I, I guess there's that that powerful thing when he says, you know, like, what do you want and to feel like actually nothing right. from you? Mm-hmm. Like you said, you're not you're not still attached to them in some way. Just a what if, what if it just. Yeah. 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 And it takes a while. And, and that's why I speak to people about therapy all the time, because when I came to my therapist, I wasn't there yet. I was hurt because of the adultery and the betrayal. Like I said, marriages do end. So I was okay with it ending. It's how he chose it to end and the aggression and then remembering the levels of abuse and unfortunately all the police involvement that we had to have. And my kids witnessing some of this, those were the things that I needed to make sure I was able to move past. So therapy helped me to be able to get back on track. My therapist didn't have all the answers, but he wanted to help me to realize for myself what I needed to do to move forward and let this be a memory of my past. We have no kids together. We have nothing together that we ever even have to have a conversation about. So there's no reason to be tethered to something when there's no legitimate value to it. And so that's how I looked at it. Mm. It sounds like you're in such a, a positive place about it all and and i could just feel you you know you've got oh yeah such a positive energy which i think is amazing thank you yeah oh yeah definitely yeah and and so um your book is about public speaking 
motivational speaking, which is, I think, something that public speaking, a lot of people find quite daunting, the, the prospect of public speaking. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I, I find it quite daunting. And my background's in education as a teacher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. I do this, but it's still that, that anxiety. So, again, I'm going to ask you for more top tips. <laughs> So right. if, if someone's thinking, oh, I, I've got a story that I would love to tell, or I've got a cause that I'm really passionate about, but I'm, I'm really worried about public speaking, what would you say? Well, you know, I actually get that quite a bit. People saying, well, I want to tell this story and I want to do this. And I tell them, listen, don't look at it like public speaking. It's another form of communication. Who knows your story better than you? Who can tell your story better than you? If you look at it as it is a conversation, then it's it's different because now it's just you relaying your message to me, making sure it, it has all the, the necessary cues, it's not offensive or uh, things of that nature. But it's it's all about communication and, and communication is what make really makes us better people. And so I tell them, don't look at it like it's public speaking. Everybody is not comfortable with public speaking, but public speaking and learning the skills and the traits can help you be a better communicator. And all in all, that's really what we want to be able to communicate with different cultures, different environments, and, and expand our horizons. Well, we cannot do that if our communication is very entry level. So it's important that you broaden your horizons and do that. But I always encourage people, if you have a story to tell, there is somebody that needs to hear your story. Do not take that away from them to be able to get where you are, or at least get on your journey of where you're going and get some of that support. But everyone has a story and and just giving that to other people is really a way of, of lending out service to others, which is what we should be doing. Absolutely, because I think we all have, like you said, our our own story, our own experiences. And if we've managed to reconcile our story in some way and and learn from it in the way that you have, then then that's a really powerful thing for people to hear who are a few steps back from where you are now. Right. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And I I wonder whether, um, you know, you find that with practice, it gets easier. Mm hmm. Because I think when I started the podcast, I probably was not anywhere near as good, uh, in t- not saying I am now necessarily, but <laughs> as good at expressing myself yeah. or interviewing. But I feel that with practice, I've got much better, much more confident doing it. Right. And that's really what it is about. Um, in my 10 steps, I go over various different things. The importance of time management, respecting people's time is really huge when you're doing public speaking events or even just communication. Like say, for instance, I come in your office and say, look, I want to talk to you for five minutes. Well, my five minutes shouldn't go to 30 minutes because technically after about 10 minutes, you're checking out because I've already overstayed my time. Uh, I talk to people about demographics, the importance of making sure that your message fits the appropriate audience. So when I speak, uh, in different venues and avenues, and I'm speaking about uh, domestic violence or whatever else, there might be some aspects of my life I go into and I don't. When I give uh, conferences, I give them surface information about my life to get them to where I am today. But I'm not there to make you feel sad or sorry for me. By no means is that something I'm looking for. I don't want you at that conference sad. I want you hyped up. So I give you a little bit of it and then I give you how 
you can do all these amazing things, be this amazing person, feel wonderful about yourself. So it's really about knowing your audience. And then there are some audiences um, where you give more nitty gritty. I'm working on my first novel um, entitled Trusting Someone Else's Heart, where I go deeper into what I dealt with. And there's a lot of gore there. That's something I would put in a book that I wouldn't share per se with the audience. So you learn different tips in my book about how to be an effective speaker and make sure that you can look into the audience and grasp their 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 opinions of you just on their face. So that you're a more effective communicator and know that you're reaching your audience and you're connecting. So I try to give a lot of information that I personally use that has helped me to be very successful. Hmm. And it's a skill, isn't it? Communicating things like being able to read the audience and being able to adapt how you communicate yes. is a skill. And with all skills, they, they take time to develop. Absolutely. I always tell people that I came out my mom's womb speaking. It's probably true. But um, <laughs> it, it definitely is a skill. And even being skilled and being comfortable being a communicator, you're still learning and you're still growing. You're still learning new tips. And, and sometimes I'll I'll have a um, maybe I'll, I'll have a keynote address or something like that. And when I get a, off of the stage, I'll think about, OK, well, I need to do this better next time. Maybe this wasn't a good you know, so if everything's about learning and growing the moment that you stop learning and growing, then you really have stagnated yourself. So, hmm. yeah, so true. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of time now and being respectful of your time as a communicator. <laughs> okay. You're okay. <laughs> the thing is, I, I find, and I probably do this everywhere in my life, actually, like we're having a really nice discussion and then I don't want right. to move on to the next bit because I'm sort of right in the moment enjoying it. But I do have some set questions I ask everyone and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. And Perfect. We might go off on a tangent from them, see how we go. So, okay. Yeah, the first one is what always boosts your mood? What brings you joy in your life? My kids are a great source of mood boosting for me. They're my son's 14, my daughter's 13. They're extremely funny, and they get that from me. But they're extremely funny, and they always remind me what I'm working for and why I'm working so hard. And uh, a lot of times we get to sit down and have conversations with each other. They ask me questions. It's all about them seeing me as a role model, not other people, but seeing me and their father, who's my first husband, as a role model and to know what to emulate themselves behind and trying to be a good example to them. So they're what it's all about, really. Mm -hmm. That might be. We'll see the answer to the next question then as well, possibly. So my next question is what makes life meaningful for you? I'm definitely, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, my kids. But I think being able to do what I'm doing now. I mean, I'd like to think that, you know, this is another segment of life. This is kind of what I feel I was meant to do. I, I had a conference and I literally had a line of people. And some of the women came up to me that wanted to shake my hand. They were crying that said um, one lady told me she didn't know how she was going to get out of her situation. She was living the exact same life that I was living. And she was there with her brother and he was nudging her. He was saying, talk to her, talk to her. And we just sat there and we talked for a long time. And so 
I feel like I'm doing what I'm intended to do. And if it's making a difference in one woman or one man, even if a, a man can look back on this and say, you know what, I don't think I've treated my wife or my girlfriend the best. And if she feels like that, maybe I need to do something different. Then this is all this is what it's all about. So this is this is this is my absolute passion and love. Definitely. Hmm. And I think when people can relate to your experience. Yes. And like with me, if they're a few steps back, it, it gives them that hope, doesn't it? That actually yeah. now is really difficult. Now I feel stuck. Right. But you've got to a better place so I can get to a better place as well. Absolutely. And it's all about that encouragement and keeping them on track. But yeah, we well, we can all get there. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So my next question. On the podcast, we're all about mental wellness. So it's it's actually two questions. So the first one is, what does mental wellness mean to you? And then the second part is, how do you look after your own mental well-being? Jeez, uh, mental wellness. Let me just say this, that before marrying someone uh, with mental illness, it wasn't the focal point. It wasn't even an interest of mine. But it's interesting how life will take and turn you all the way around. Now it's one of my focal points. Mental, uh, excuse me, mental wellness is important and essential for all of us. To me, it means your ability to be able to think clearly, feel as clear as possible, to have the balance and the structure that you need in life to be able to function on a day-to-day basis. And I think it's very essential. After I filed my divorce, my therapist had diagnosed me as anxiety, PTSD, and depression. And all of those elements was right. Uh, I no longer uh, trusted my opinion and I've always been a very confident person, but I second guessed everything about me. I no longer could trust that I can make decisions. And that was that anxiety and not taking care of myself as I had not done during the marriage and now just getting to a place. So now where I am in life and how I take care of myself is that I never again will be in that type of relational structure but I focus on doing things that I love, things that I enjoy. I don't have caustic people in my life. If you appear that you're going to cause me trauma, I remove you immediately. I think that's important. I also go to the spa once a month, but besides that, <laughs> yeah, I gotta have a mud bath. That helps to balance me. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, we're, um, we're on lockdown at the moment in the UK, so I can't go to the spa, but Still a nice bar, right. face mask. That's like a mini app. Absolutely. That'll do it. <laughs> awesome. So my next question is, uh, can you describe your own mindset? Um, let's see. I think my own mindset, I'm, I'm very determined, very driven, uh, a very loyal person. Um, I like to think that prior to, I was very prideful. Not that I'm not, I'm just not as. And I'd like to think I have uh, a little bit more humility, you know, getting kicked off your peg a couple of notches will tend to bring you to a a place of humility that you didn't know you needed, but you do need. I'm a very loving person. I'm a fixer. I love family. I love hard. And uh, and I, I think that being a parent is one of the most important focal points that I have. But I think that's a pretty a good description of me. I'm an assertive individual. Uh, I speak what's on my mind and um, I try to be respectful of others, but I don't shy away from my feelings or opinions for the benefit of anyone else. But I just try to make sure 
how I'm giving that information is not offensive to anyone. Hmm. Uh, you said you love hard, if, if I heard right. And I think definitely. Yeah. And I think that's particularly what you know, when we were talking at the beginning and you were saying about trying to love someone so much to sort of mm -hmm. fix them or, or to help them and then not being able to and, and going through that relationship. I imagine for some people, maybe it would be quite easy to then be quite resistant to love or find it quite difficult to love. So I think it's amazing that mm -hmm. you love hard. And I think that's, that's just great. Oh, thank you. So we've already given a few different tips throughout this already, but now this is my, my tip question. Okay. So um, I ask all guests that come on to leave the listeners with between one and three strategies of things that they could put in place in their life that would have a massive impact. So you could tailor them to, to a particular group of people if you want, or just generally. Um, but if you could share your one to three tips that you would suggest for people. Um, love yourself. The first tip would be to love yourself amongst all things. Even when you think that you love yourself and you care about yourself, that sometimes your actions can uh, show something a little bit different. And truly loving self will keep you away from a lot of caustic situations that you really don't have to do, don't have to deal with. I think respecting other people is a big one. Um, I did a podcast not that long ago with someone and it was about women respecting women. And we were talking about how unfortunate it is that there is not a lot of respect amongst women. So women will uh, sleep with other women's husbands, boyfriends, dishonor them and things of that nature. But I think that goes along the lines of karma. So if you're respectful of other people, not just women, people in general, then I think you have to worry less about uh, calamity and things befalling you because you're doing as much as you can in the right direction. None of us are perfect and we're all going to fall short, but there are just some things as a human being that you do not do if it's going to inflict and wreak havoc on someone else's lives. We have to be governed by honor and integrity above everything else. And as long as those things are in place, everything else will fall short, uh, will fall in line. Uh, probably the third thing that I would say is, um, let me see. Um, follow your dreams. Don't put you on hold for anyone. Don't put you on hold for kids because guess what? They'll be grown and you'll be 60 and 70 trying to figure out your life. There's nothing wrong with those ages. They're wonderful. But as we're getting older, it makes it harder. Follow your dreams. If you have a passion for something, let no one tell you you can't do it. Someone may not see it, but there's someone out there that's waiting for it and they deserve to have you give it to them. Amazing. Thank you for those three amazing tips. Thank you. So my last question is, how can people connect with you online if they're interested in any conferences that you run, if they want to find your books? Where can people find you? Wonderful. Uh, I'm accessible through a couple of places. Uh, my email address is Tamori, that's T-A-M-U-R-I, at tleanspeaks.com. That's T-L-E-A-N-N-E. S-P-E-A-K-S dot com or my website is www.tleannespeaks.com and I'm also on Facebook under T. Leanne Speaking Pros LLC so they can contact me there as well and has all of my contact information and probably within the next 60 days my first novel will be out entitled Trusting Someone Else's Heart 
And um, it'll be self-help, but also with more detailed information. I know people are going to really enjoy it. It's going to be a really good read, definitely. Amazing. And we can definitely put links in the show notes to your website and your social media and the names of your books so people can keep an eye out for those and grab a copy of them. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much, Sherry. I've really enjoyed chatting to you today. And um, I don't know, I feel a bit, a little bit, inspired to maybe try some public speaking myself (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) do it go for it (laughs) it's been amazing and I'm sure that people listening will get so much out of hearing your story and and your advice so thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me I appreciate it you're very welcome So thanks again to Tamari for joining us for this episode. And and I think what uh, she highlighted really well is this importance, as we've talked about before, of needing to practice that self-care, that looking after ourselves so that we can show up for ourselves, but we can show up for other people in our lives as well. And when we are completely neglecting our own needs, because we're trying to put someone else first. Actually, we, we can't really help them and we're possibly pushing ourselves towards a burnout or overwhelm or something like that. So I think that's a, a really important reminder to practice that self-care and to think about what you need to look after yourself. So yes, we're going to link, obviously, to, to Marie's website and check out her books um, as well. I'm definitely going to pick up the public speaking one now that that is something that I am starting to do more of. Although we're still in lockdown, so not really <laughs> in public. But yes, so I wanted to remind you that you can grab a copy of the replay from our Boost Your Wellbeing event a couple of weekends ago where we had, with myself, 14 guest speakers on a range of well-being topics so if you are feeling inspired to really think about your own self-care then I would encourage you to go and grab a copy of that and if you head over to our website www.psyche.co.uk psyche with the k remember um, and then go on the store at the top you'll find the access to the replays there it's only 10 pounds for lifetime access plus the workbook and at least half is going to mind and the Samaritans. So check those out. Uh, and the last thing that would be absolutely amazing if you love the podcast, you love the honest conversations that we bring you, and you want us to continue to bring you the same great quality content, then we'd love it if you would consider becoming a patron of the podcast. So our Patreon site will be in the show notes, but just Patreon slash Psyche well-being and uh, and consider supporting us to continue to put out content and to remain ad free so yeah so check that out and and as always if you have enjoyed it please do share it with someone that you know who would benefit from hearing the the stuff that we talk about on the show so yeah that's everything for this week be kind to yourself and actually i've said it's everything for this week but (laughs) um i just Last week, I shared some of the resources that I'm using to um, to educate myself more on the experiences of Black and Indigenous people of colour um, 
because and you know and that that kind of anti-racist reading and um so I shared some resources last week and basically I just don't want us to kind of lose the momentum and kind of <laughs> move away from having these uh, these conversations which are really important and kind of educating ourselves so it's just yeah a reminder you know I'm still doing the work for myself examining my own biases um I've personally booked onto a couple of uh, summits and webinars this week that are focused around specifically about race and mental health and that's something I'm hoping to do an episode on in the future specifically looking at the impact of racism racial injustice on mental health so I guess it was just a reminder uh, to anyone listening that we or I am still even if I'm not talking about it every week uh yeah committed to this this kind of anti-racist work um but yeah a reminder that this is important and not to just kind of you know as the protests have sort of happened in the UK and globally and as people are starting to maybe with lockdown ease and go back to normal a little bit just to kind of reiterate that it's still really important to be tackling injustice to be doing that that work yeah so that's kind of my point I'm sort of rambling a little bit now but I just wanted to come back to that um and uh yeah and as as always if you have suggestions for guests or topics that you would like us to cover on the podcast then please again do get in touch and you can connect with me on social media at psyche coaching um, and we'd love to hear from you so with that that is that <laughs> that is now <laughs> everything that i have to say so i hope you have um a good week uh, be kind to yourself meet yourself where you are and we'll see you next week